Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Matthew Collar going to come in here, talk some Wilds, some Vikings today. Jason Stark at 11.30 on the show. Is he bringing trivia? Do we know? Always trivia. All right, trivia with and Jason we'll get Stark. Wrong, so. first we got it right last week. Kickoff, tip time, puck drop, the green flag, teeing off. Becky and Judd are on the air. Getting things started with something we like to call the opening bell. Matt Dumba, who has a goal here tonight, rings that around, buffling on it. Had the wall sealed by Granlin, who picks up the puck, shovels it back in front, Stoll shoots, scores! Oh, a feed by Granlin, Derek Stoll, 4-2 wild! Now from the point, that shot by Prosser is blocked, loose puck in front, Greenway skates, scores! Jordan Greenway, his first career playoff goal, and his first goal in the National Hockey League, 5-2 wild! Well, we're still in a desperate situation. I mean, we were last night, we are... Our tomorrow here. If we lose tomorrow, we're still down 3-1 going into Winnipeg. So uh, there's, it's not a question about feeling good about yourself. We survived. All right, of all the things to be happy about after game three, yeah. the first thing out of Judd Zolgad's mouth when we walked into the studio this morning was complaints about Zucker and Coyle. Oh. And Nino, nope. not enough to praise all the players who dominated that game three and swung the series what? back into the Wilds' favor. Gentlemen, what did I do on Saturday's show? What did you, you guys even admitted? I was at Treasure Island drinking right. heavily, so I'm not but when quite you played, sure. But when you, you replayed ranted. my rant, I motivated a group of men that needed it badly. Eric Stahl scored his first goal in the game on Sunday night. Greenway, Foligno, I can go down the list. Granlund all scored their first goal. That leaves us with three guys who have yet to join the playoff party. This is not looking for, this is not trying to single them out as a negative. It's singling them out as motivation. Jason Zucker, you had, I believe it was 33 goals on the season. You don't have a point in this series. Charlie Coyle, you had a bad year. You were hurt. I know that. At times, you have no points in this series. And lastly, Nino Niederreiter, you have no points in this series. And Phil Mackey, I will point this out. They are all—they're all top nine forwards. They—if you are going to advance, they need to start contributing, and they need to do it tonight. So, okay, let's back up. I might need Dave's help on this because you seem—it seems like we have belligerent negative hockey job this morning. Was this always going? Was, was this always going to be our show after the, the first three games? 
of of a playoff series that you were going to nitpick the players whoa, who whoa, haven't whoa. scored goals yet. How can you like you were going to go no and points. find the players that haven't scored yet? They you have, were going to nitpick they, after three games. They have no points. Admit it. Was this the show this you were going to do ne- no matter no, what? No, no, no. If they because were up I two to one right more. now. Is this the show that you were going to do? I no, absolutely not. Finding the guys who haven't scored in a three game sample yet and rip them in a three game sample. It's it's three top nine forwards who need to contribute. Jason Zucker had thirty plus goals. He had he needs to start contributing. It's been three games. Charlie Coyle. It's been three games. Charlie Coyle. Okay, okay, I'll stop you right there. It has not been three games. Okay. It's been 29 games. Okay. In 29 playoff games, Jason Zucker has four goals in his career. Jason Zucker hasn't been a top-scoring forward until last year. Do and even then, he was a 22. This is the first year of the new Jason him. Zucker. You need more. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. This I the, would not. This is the this first was, year of Jason Zucker's big his, scoring barrage. This was his best year. He scored 22 last year. Okay, he had 22 goals That's not last a big-time score. Nonetheless. 33 is. Nonetheless, if you are going to advance, you need all three of these players, or at least a couple of them, to start contributing more. This is Charlie Coyle's series. He, he, like Parisi, has the size and the ability to be very effective against the Jets. He needs to do more than nothing. There are times when he looks completely lost. I think this he's completely never, lost for five. I'll, I'll go with you on Cole. Okay, well, I think he's never, looked lost for five this years. This was never going to be my show. The point is, I sat down last night and I said, okay, you started to get contributions from guys who didn't contribute against the Jets in games one and two, who needs to do more? And I came across these three top nine forwards who have given you no points at all. That's a problem. And, and my contention is if, let's say Zach Parisi, let's say the Wild were, were up two to one in this series, but Zach Parisi hadn't joined the party yet. You would have started today's show ripping on Zach Parisi for not scoring more. a goal. He would need to do more. If, <laughs> if, if Zach Parisi, had, absolutely, absolutely. If, the, if this is, yes, absolutely I would have. You have, there is no reason why guys who are among your top nine forwards aren't contributing more. It's and been Zucker, three Coyle, games. and it's Nino. Been three games. And they are MIA so far. That is a problem. Okay. That is a problem. No goals, no assists, no points in three games. They are combined minus four. They need to begin giving you more starting tonight if you're going to make Because it's the Cub. Yes. All right. I, 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 I think you need a lesson in sample size. I think you need a lesson in sample absolutely size. Absolutely not. I just gave you thir- 30 career playoff games, four goals for Zucker. He can do more. And, I, and again, I would contend, and I'm going to give you that lesson here because I knew you were going to do this today. And I'm, this is why we love you on the show because you always find you always find the gap between good and perfection and hammer that gap, which is what's happening right no, now. No, actually, the word is contribution that you're looking for. Not perfection, contribution. Okay contribution in this case which mm-hmm. is perfection mm-hmm. so zucker has so you're you're taking a five-year professional stint of zucker mm-hmm. and putting all five of those years in the same bin absolutely i'm taking the player that we know he is this year mm-hmm. and you know what i'll even lump in last year you jason zucker last year because he was a good, he was a good scorer to. last year so he's only played eight playoff games over the stretch of which he's been a top let's call him a top scorer on this team the last two years mm-hmm Eight games, and he has one goal in those eight games, by the way. Eight games is not enough to savage a guy who was your best player in the regular season. You have to let it play I out I didn't over come time. close to savaging him. I said he has to do more. I said he has to do more. You you are coming off as a guy who is making excuses for the fact that he's not doing more. No, I'm talking about sample size. Right, but it, that, but that can be excuse-making, too. Pause for 30 seconds and let me, let me deliver this, and then you can rebuttal. All okay? right, okay. Players almost always wind up 
over the course of time in the playoffs in mm-hmm. almost any sport, almost pretty much every sport. I mean, baseball has great examples of this. Hockey has great examples of this. If if you have a five or ten year career in the regular season, that will translate within like ninety percent accuracy to the playoffs. Let's use Zach Parisi as an, as an example here. All right, eighty two game postseason average for Zach. He's played ninety seven postseason games in his career. Mm-hmm. His 82-game postseason average is the exact same as his regular season. 28-goal average and between 60 and 70 points. But there's been some series throughout his career, small sample sizes, where Parisi will give you almost nothing in 2013. I'm not even counting last year when he was banged up. Uh, almost nothing in 2010 and almost nothing in 2006. Let's take Nino. You mentioned Nino off the top of the show, all right? Yeah, all three guys. That Nino needs to show up. Nino, you're going to... I didn't say show up. I, I said he needs to contribute... When it comes to points. He needs to show up. I I am saying that he needs to make a contribution. Okay. Sa- okay. Sample size okay. is becoming an excuse. Okay. Listen, Nino Niederreiter in his career is a 20-goal scorer almost, almost to the exact over the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. 18, 20, 24. He's a 20-goal scorer in the regular season. Mm-hmm. His range is very narrow. It's been between 18 and 24 goals the last four or five years. His 82-game postseason pace for his career is 18 goals. Mm-hmm. And so if you give him time to play it out, he's going to be an 18-goal scorer. Right, if but, you're going to nitpick three no, games, you can comes, play that game with but, anyone, But Judd. when it comes to playoffs, Phil, time is of the essence. You need to contribute. You can't not contribute. If you're going to be, if you're going to log the ice time that you do if you're a top-nine forward, Jason Zucker, for instance, played 15 minutes and one second on Sunday. Parisi played 15:59. They were on the ice almost the exact same amount of time. You've gotten nothing. You can't. You can't just say, "Well, he's not scoring now, and it's the playoffs, so eventually he'll score." You need to make a contribution that goes beyond three of your top three guys not making a contribution. Well, let's use Nino again. Sample okay? size is becoming an excuse. It's not an excuse because Nino, for his career, it's thrown around as an ne- excuse. Judd, Nino, for his career. Career mm-hmm. is an 18 to 20 goal scorer, maybe right. up to like 24 because you're playing crappier teams in the regular season. Right. In his playoff career, he's an 18 goal scorer over 82 games as well. He's the same player in the playoffs. He got scorchingly hot in 2015 and scored a bunch of goals. Mm-hmm. He's off to a bit of a slow start in this year's playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's how hockey works. Okay, but a slow start. You want okay. like a goal I'm per game for every one of I'm, these guys. No, I don't. It's unrealistic. I don't want a goal per game. I want the ability to get on the score sheet within th- the first three games. And and the problem is this. If you continue to say that the sport works th- this way, this is how you get eliminated in five games and say, well, I guess that's hockey. Too bad. Guys who were supposed to score didn't score. If your fourth line guys aren't scoring, I'm not mentioning it. But Jason Zucker at 33 goals. You need him to contribute with goals. He needs to contribute. You can't, you can't I, I, I just say, well, it's too that. bad. No, one, not, no one's disagreeing. If you gave Jason Zucker 82 playoff hockey games, he would score 25 to 30 goals. I, but I'm telling you... All right, and this he, is, he will okay. score goals right. at some point. I'm going to help you here. This is okay. where oh this God. is where sa- this is where <laughs> sample size damages your view. Okay. In sports, you don't have you don't have a perpetual amount of time to say that. You can't just say, "Well, you're in the playoffs now," and if I take a sample size that is is a regular season sample size, this player is going to be fine. That's not going to happen. So, so, players so they have to outperform play, what they're players, capable of? Or players what? who score 33 goals in the regular season need to be able to score quickly in the playoffs because that's what's known as being a clutch player. You don't have 82 games here. 
you have to begin to contribute almost immediately. You know, That's what you need. So there was a there was a season, 2014 playoffs, where Sidney Crosby played 13 games and had one goal. All is, right. is, is that is that Sidney Crosby, Crosby losing his mind and being a terrible That's player? Not good. That's or, not or does good. hockey have a lot of variance and it takes you a lot of time potentially? To, All right, you're, to get hot. It's been three games, and you're ripping Cro- Jason Zucker. That's not good for Crosby. No, I'm saying these guys need to start showing up more. Like, I'm he, saying here, that these guys need to start scoring. I'm saying that that when you have a guy like Charlie Coyle, who I believe is six foot three and is built for a series like this, you need more from him. How should Boudreaux Zucker go about, tell you the same thing? What is Zucker doing differently in these three games than he was in the regular season? Well, so far he's not scoring, and you don't have 82 games to get him on track. I want more than just the result. What's he doing in terms of lack of generating not, chances? What is it? He's not getting to the net enough. He's not generating enough ch- chances, absolutely. He is, Jason Zucker, as of Sunday, was your first line left wing. He can generate more chances. He can absolutely generate more chances. What? I, but the most important thing I keep telling you is they. you've got this group of three guys, and at least one, if not all three, need to start joining the party tonight of contributing or you are going to be out. You don't have time to say, well, if you give him 25 games, it's going to, to be fine. And to answer your question, yes, if Sidney Crosby had one goal in, what, 13 games? That's not very good for him. That's disappointing. Yes, absolutely, that's disappointing. That's the nature of hockey. But what I'm That's the nature of a sport okay. where, where the best but players are, are cashing in on but, 7% of their overall shot attempts. But what but you're trying you're trying to get consistency in a sport but, that it doesn't exist what, in. But what you're doing is you are giving an explanation for how teams get ousted from the playoffs and saying, "Well, that's just the, the way the sport goes." If you don't want the sport to go that way, if you want to continue playing in games, and playoff games, then you need more contributions. Have they been ousted yet? Did I miss something? They what, just smoked the Jets what, six to two in what the third I, game of the series. What I have told you is that if this continues, they're going to get ousted. You need more from this group of guys. <laughs> you. This is why you lost games one and two because you had several players not do a thing. Now, starting on Sunday, a few of those players, which was good to see, joined the group. I'm giving you three more names of guys that you need to start getting points. I'm, I just I'm, it's sample sample size is a dangerous term because sample size is code for I'm going to get at times I'm going to give you an excuse for why that this is happening and then all of a sudden you're not playing. I just think it's really unfair to rip a guy in Jason Zucker who was outstanding for 82 games and you're going to torch him after three games in I, a sport where it's really hard to score goals. I don't think I'm torching him. What I'm saying is he needs to join the party tonight. Did Dave? Did Judge just torch Jason Zucker, Nina Niederreiter, and, and yeah, Charlie Foyle? Am I am I out, not am, am I out of my mind thinking that Judge being way too unrealistic here? Well, uh, here's my thoughts on what just happened this second. First of all, <laughs> during the break, I need to run and go get some ibuprofen or something because I didn't think we were going to start out with a headache this early. I did the. I looked back on Jason Zucker's regular season while you guys were having this argument. He had a stretch of three games without any points, two stretches of four games without any points. And a stretch of seven games, I believe it was, without any points. Yep. Because hockey. Because hockey, yes. Those things That's absolutely happen. Are you guys? And, and, no, no, I'm not done, Judd. Just wait. Just oh. wait. Just wait. He had those stretches during the regular season. This is a rather bad time to have another stretch without points, obviously. And perhaps he should be going to the net more. Perhaps he should be getting a greasy goal or a nice assist every once in a while here in the playoffs. But I will say to Judd, you've got... 
what, four lines of forwards plus uh, six defensemen. So you got 18 guys that Uh are fighting over a limited number of goals every game. Typically three, maybe four every game. Mm -hmm. They should have scored more than six in game three because Zucker should have scored the seventh. Yeah, I mean, over three games, you know, you're averaging in a normal hockey game 12 goals. You know, that's goals. Obviously, you're getting points for assists. So maybe he should have one, you know, should Maybe you'd like him to have more than one, right. but to say right. he's been bad so right. far, I think I, you I guys don't know if that's, that's it's premature. You guys it's are hyper-focusing on one guy. Listen to me clearly. There are three guys, Nino, Coyle, and Zucker. They are all top nine forwards. Right now, through three games, they have no points. Is Charlie they a top need, nine forward? They need, Be honest. He is on this team, and he plays enough. He's not that good. You can't talk right. out of both sides of your mouth. Let you me, can't call him a clown over me, here and then be let, mad at him for not doing this anything. Is he should probably this, have fallen into an assist this, at some point, you'd think. He obviously plays this. enough to get points, and you trust him to play. If you trust him to play, he needs to contribute, or he needs to be off the roster eventually. I feel like it's early in the series. If they fall down 3-1 to one and like Jason Zucker has no shot attempts in Game 4, like, okay, Jason, you got to do more. It's so early in the series to be to be after they just won six to two and played a lot better. Yeah, to go with the doom and gloom. It's not doom and savaging gloom. Savaging three players. It, it's not doom and gloom. As the most progressive sports show <laughs> in this town, it is looking at a situation that nobody else is addressing and saying you need these guys to start contributing tonight. Yeah, you know, I'm. That's I'm, what this is. I'm changing my tune. Zucker's a minus two for the series, and he's only got five shots on goal. That guy sucks. He needs to play more. Don't, all right, let's come back. You're here. right. He does need to do more. I agree with. Judd on that point, only five shots on goal in three games from your starting left wing is not good enough. And I don't disagree with that either. I'm just saying, like, in hockey, like Dave said, you're going to go, when, when, and I can't stress this enough, in a sport where the best players are only cashing in on 7% of their total shot attempts, if I said, all right, Judd, there's a basket over here in the corner, a garbage can, and you're going <laughs> to sh- gonna shoot something at that, but you're only going to make, like, seven out of a hundred... You might miss 10 in a row. And I expect That's how it works. Or you might end up with a couple second assists and you get points out of that. And well, look which, great. They, which which is exactly the point. If these guys had points, I wouldn't say this. But they have combined they have 9 games total and no points. And that's why I'm saying I that. hope Zucker he scores 9 goals in this game for. Uh, right. He should. Mackie and Judd, the collar coming in. We also have Jason Stark and Trivia at 11:30. Mackie and Judd are back. Man, that sounds good. On 1500 ESPN. I don't even know if it's at each other's throats. I think it's just like we see sports so differently. Judd sees sports in a much smaller window of you need to do this now or else. And I see it as, well, there's a lot of variance and volatility in small sample sizes. Like, I mean, Alex Ovechkin has had playoff series where he scored one goal in seven games because you know what? It's really hard to score goals in hockey where Alex Ovechkin is going to take over the course of a full season. And he is... Matthew Collar's in here, by the way, and he writes about hockey for ESPN.com. We'll talk some football this hour. Like, Alex Ovechkin took 653 shot attempts this year. Not shots on goal, shot attempts. Mm-hmm. They might miss the goal, that might get blocked, they might get whatever, all mm-hmm. right, deflected somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He scored 49 times. So right. He's cashing in on 7% of his Let shot attempts. Let me help attempts. you out here with he this. He might go five games without a goal. I'm going to help you out here with this. You're so condescending. I've I've watched, now, now, I can look at stats, and I can draw conclusions, and and that's fine. They might be right. But in watching all three games of this series, the three players I gave you, Nino, Coyle, and Zucker, they've not done enough. Like, if, if Zucker was flying around the ice and I was like, oh, my God, every game he's getting robbed by Helen Buck and, and he looks fantastic and he's not scoring, guess what? I say, 
Jason Zucker is playing great. He's just not, not scoring. But Jason Zucker hasn't played great. I didn't notice him for the most part at all on Sunday. Uh, Coyle, I see, but I, I see him look lost a lot. And Nino broke his leg at some point, and I think I think something's wrong there because he's not a bad player. But to your point, Phil, if I was watching these guys and all three of them were playing fantastic, I would say it's too bad. I think they're going to score. Right now I watch them and say I don't even see them getting to the point where they're going to score, and that's where they need to be. Okay, so I will bow, out, I will bow out of this because Matthew Collar knows way more about hockey than I ever will. The core of the argument is – I think it's really dangerous to nitpick small sample sizes in baseball and hockey. It's not to say that like Jason Zucker couldn't be doing more in these games, but I'm not going to crucify a guy for not scoring in the first three games of a 2-1 to series, by the way, who had 30-plus goals in the regular season and went through stretches of four games, seven games with zero points because that's hockey. There, that's where we stand. He's it, nitpicking small sample sizes, I think. Let's give the guy a few games to play this out. The small sample size is absolutely legit, especially if you look at Sergei Bobrovsky, the goaltender for the Columbus Blue Jackets, who had been horrible in the playoffs for his first try or two, and then he just had 54 saves in a win the other night, yeah. and it was one of the best goaltending performances I've seen because his team was completely outplayed, and he stole that win away from Washington. That happens a lot where goaltenders have a tough start, and they get pegged as a guy who can't can't win the playoffs or a guy who can't score in the playoffs if they have a series or two where it doesn't work out. And then, I mean, even like you mentioned, Sidney Crosby had series where at one point people were suggesting that Jonathan Taves was a better player, which is just preposterous. But I mean, th that was actually happening because Crosby had two years in a row where he didn't have great playoffs. And then now we see him with two straight Stanley Cups and he's great. So that is a legitimate argument as it applies to the Minnesota Wild. I agree with Judd that these guys have not shown up in the series. They have not created scoring chances. They haven't had the puck. They haven't made great plays. They have been ghosts for the most part. The only time I remember a Jason Zucker play is when he was over-aggressive and chasing out Tyler Myers at the blue line, and then Myers stepped around him and scored a goal. That's my only memory of Jason Zucker. And the sample size, Phil, is growing with these players. That's, I think, my issue is, okay, three games a guy cannot show up. The star players in the league, they don't show up. They don't go disappear for three games, even if they don't win. Alex Ovechkin, you'll see him pounded shots at the net. You'll see scoring chances. Maybe the other team's goalie stops them for three games, but you're going to see him at least two out of those three because he's a superstar player. To have someone who is hyped up as much as Mikel Granlund in the middle in the middle of the season when he's scoring be completely non uh, ineffective entirely until Sunday it, in which it, he plays great. Right. Yes, exactly. Which but, is the indictment, but it, 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 that is a, is kind of a problem. And his playoff history is a problem where you're getting toward 40 games of a guy barely showing up outside of one series that we talk about from years ago yeah. where he was really good. And this applies to a large number of Minnesota wild players. I think this discussion also it's if you watch this team play, and you see, because I would be, if, if Coyle was playing great, I'd be the first to say he's playing great. If if Coyle was was playing a physical, effective series and was getting scoring chances and not scoring, I would be the first guy to say, this is fantastic, and, and he will eventually score. The key to me was, in the first two games, there was a really large group of players who mm -hmm. didn't show up, basically, didn't play well. I mean, Stahl was, for a guy that scored 42 goals, was ineffective as could be. 
But he played well on Sunday. Granlin played well. And now I think what we're seeing is you've got three guys who need to do more. And if they score, it's great. And if they don't score and they get a bunch of shots and play well, that's fine, too. Uh, tweets coming in here. Let's let's read two of them. Uh, Todd says, Judd has the most unrealistic expectations for Minnesota sports in general, especially the Wild. The series is 2-1. to one. Did Judd rip Pittsburgh for getting beat at home? It happens. Colorado dominated last night after going down 2-0 in Nashville. LA's down 3-0. Anaheim's down 3-0. Logan says, Judd, your expectations of people are ridiculous. Uh, Athletes are human, and to expect them to always be at optimal performance is ludicrous. You do the same expecting the team to never be flat during an 82-game season. There's a a huge flaw there. It's the playoffs. You got to show up. We're no, going you've got, on, you've got five it's, years of because it's the cup. You've got to be a no. I mean, if you if you can't perform right now, then get out because it's the cup. Wait, let me try it again. It's the cup. <laughs> um, to, to those people's points, I mean, you can't ignore the recent playoff history of this team and the fact that this group, same core group has done this over and over again. And no, you can't expect every player on every team to play really well all the time, but you also shouldn't get outshot. What was it? 83 to 37 in, in the first two games. Yeah. Those are not, oh, you came out flat or you didn't play all that well. That's you got pummeled you got your face beat in those first two games you didn't show up at all i mean this isn't well you lost two close ones i look at the la and vegas series and i say that could be three all the other way i mean one of them went to two overtimes the other one's a one goal game and they were both close i mean one of them jonathan quick had to stand on his head and vegas outplayed them but i look at that series and go well that could go either way those first two games in Winnipeg could not have gone the other way. They could only have gone Winnipeg's well, way. And what I don't get is is if you watch the games, this isn't hard. Dubnik played in games one and two. I thought fantastic. He got beat in, in game two. Guess what? I don't fault him one bit. And in the second game, in game one, yeah, they lost. I get that. But if you look at how they played, it was a pretty good template for for a potential game to go on the road in game one and win. I didn't come in and dump on them after that game. In fact, I said it's too bad, and they played pretty well. Game two was embarrassing. Game three, you had a bunch of guys come back and play well who should have been playing well in games one and two. That's great. You score six goals. That's the the indictment of the team is game three because there's no reason why in a playoff series, when and basically your history is you lose game one and two, so you are aware of that. And Friday night to come out like you played – I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for effort. And Granlund is Granlund to me is the poster child here because he's a fantastic talent. Listen, we can talk about Coyle, and he might not be that good, and he might be good, and we don't know, blah, blah. All right. Mikhail Granlund is a magnificent talent when he wants to be. But the reality for Mikhail Granlund in the playoffs is this. Against the Jets, he's got to go into every game saying, I might get hurt. But you know what? I don't care. I'm going to the net. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm not going to reach for pucks. I'm actually going to physically try as best I can because he's not going to be great, but I'm going to physically try to assert myself as much as possible. And if he does that, he's a really good player still. I I think it's – I almost – this is going to sound like – I really think you almost have to wait to see what happens in Game 4 to start to – because if if they come out and get beat again in Game 4 and it looks a lot like the first two games, then it's just the same script every single playoff season takes for the Wild. Like, it's the same exact script. 
fall down early, come out with your backs against the wall, and then let off the gas pedal again and be down 3-1 to one and try to come back. I mean, you could, that formula was for the old Jacques Lemaire wild, too, back in, like, 2003, uh, where they came back down 3-1 in both series. So if they come out and play the same way and they win in Game 4, I will maybe start to craft a different narrative. But it's really hard at this point. This is why I have so much issue with like coming out like hot negative takes after that game in game three. Like it's um like if you would come out, Judd, and said, you know what? Jason Zucker, like you can't you can't nitpick results like goals in hockey and be credible to me because like there's so many things that lead so much activity but, right. that matters that leads to the right. result. I, and if you would have come out and said, you know what, Jason Zucker, like here are the reasons, like here are the things that he's doing process wise that aren't the same as not these eighty two games. To the net. He's not doing. But I, you didn't do that but for ten I, minutes. But like I you am, just criticized he, him for not scoring. No, in I the said sport he would, no, hard to no, score. no. In that first segment, I told you he's not getting to the net. I, if this was me just saying he's not scoring, but the process is not working. He's not getting to the net. He's not doing the things that can make him effective. And to your point, it's not game four. It's game five. It's game five. You should win tonight. You're at home. You've been great at home all year long. Game five to me becomes the game because you are great at home and you st- and you have the talent to go on the road and win. You prove that in game one. Go on the road in game five and do it. With the the players that we've been talking about here, with your Zucker, I like Niederreiter is a more all-around player, but Granlin has this problem too. The Wild are built on a lot of flawed players or one-dimensional players that during the regular season, especially when you play maybe a team that's coming off a back-to-back or maybe you're playing, I don't know, uh, I would have made New Jersey the team here, maybe a Carolina or something, right? Somebody who's just not perpetually not good, doesn't have a good goaltender. These one-dimensional players can fly up and down the ice and they get room to work and they've got the puck and they can score And when you get into the playoffs, you are playing a great team. Winnipeg is not good. They're great. And you're playing a team that has schemed against you. And so they have looked into every single player that they've seen be eliminated year after year in the playoffs. And they've said, what can we do to shut down this 30-goal score, this 40-goal score, this 70-point score? What can we do? And I think that teams always find a way to shut down one-dimensional players, which is why the two-way players tend to be the ones raising the Stanley Cup at the end. It, the, the guys like Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Taves, Pavel Datsuk, that the, Andrzej Kopitar, these are the best two-way players of a generation, and the Wild ha- do not have one of those guys. And what ends up happening is, A, those types of players are streaky scorers, because that's kind of how it works, like how in baseball guys hit 10 home runs in a month and then they hit three. It's the same thing with scoring, that no one consistently scores every third game. It's in bunches. So if they all hit one of those cold streaks or the other team finds the weaknesses in their game to eliminate, then this is what you get in the playoffs. And until they prove otherwise, I'm going to probably bet against them because of that. And that, by the way, is is a much better explanation for wild playoff failures than Woodman, who tweets into the show. Until the Wild at least make a cup final, they'll continue to be a weak-minded group who have no mental toughness. Hey. Like, that's where hockey people lose me. Okay, why is one team beating, beating another? Because the other team is mentally weak. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Great. I, I Thank can, you. I can, I can both understand yeah. where Woodman is coming from 
and get on board with what you're saying because when someone like Ovechkin gets accused of that, it drives me crazy. Yes. Because but teams can. But I, but absolutely, this, this team has had a problem well, with that. I think at, for a long period. Look of at time. game two to game three. His, Woodman's explanation here or thought here is not flawed. Game two was a complete embarrassment. Game three, you came back and applied yourself and played really well. Why? Because what Phil said before, again, your backs were against the wall. And damn it, this team, this team embraces adversity like a teenage girl. They love it. It drives me absolutely nuts, but they love it. They embrace adversity. And when they have adversity, they actually have a potential to thrive until they burn themselves out. At the same time, like I, the Boston-Toronto series, Toronto gets run out of the building the first couple of games. I watched that game last night. And, and they were fantastic oh, last night. And, fun. of course, you go to the intermission, and you hear, Toronto's got to get tougher. they got to get tougher. Well, actually, their biggest mistake in the entire series is one of their guys drilling another guy in the brain. So that maybe they don't have to get tougher. Maybe, maybe they have to just get better at their breakouts and getting through the neutral zone, which is where they were fantastic Or maybe more brain injuries because it's the Brains. Ah. All right. We've gone too long on this. Let's come back. Uh, we have a glorious, glorious mock to get to at some point here. And, oh, I want a mock. And uh, there's an interesting Aaron Rodgers story that came up. All right, we'll do we'll do some of this with Matthew Kyler, Purple Podcast. You can also find him uh, on 1500ESPN.com. Mackie and Jeff from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackie. He looks like he's in eighth grade, first of all. He does. If you stand by that guy, he is a midget. He is a little guy. Judd Zolgad. I consider him my protege. <laughs> <laughs> Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Matthew Collar is here to help us mock, here to help us mock all morning long. Football! <laughs> I am so excited for this mock. I can't wait for this mock. Uh, let's yeah, let's jump right in because, well, there's a million things to get to here. We might have to be selective, but uh, like there's an Aaron Rodgers story out that we totally called on this show a long time ago. Uh, the Vikings extended Eric Kendricks yesterday, and they might be on the verge of other extensions, but... I want to mock! Mock! I want to mock! Mock! This courtesy of, and Dave, Dave found this in his morning ritual searching around the internet for mock drafts. Draft, As everyone should do. Exactly. The on the John. Forget the newspaper. Just look for mocks on your phone with your clean hand. If you have one. DraftUtopia.com. The Utopia of Sports. Not only is this a seven-round mock draft, and we have all of the... Although they, although they, he got to the seventh round and had full write-ups for every player in the seventh round and what? forgot the Vikings in the seventh round, this is a mock draft from the future, gentlemen. How do you even know at that point? Oh, we're going to read some descriptions. This, this guy from Wisconsin, Whitewater, has a great burst. I will say it again. This is a mock draft from the future. Because it was last updated on April 19th, 2018. Today's date is April 17th. DraftUtopia.com. Oh, the Utopia of Sports. Oh, this is beautiful. I'm going to fly through these Vikings picks here with a couple explanations. With the 30th overall pick, DraftUtopia.com has the Vikings taking strong safety from Alabama, Ronnie Harrison. That would be a great little combination. You'd have Harrison, Ronnie Harrison and Harrison Smith. You'd have the Harrison market cornered. Uh, with mock drafts here. How about this? Clear-cut third-best safety is the description for this guy. He's the clear-cut <laughs> third-best safety. It's clear. No question. Very well, obvious that he's yeah. the third-best yep. safety. No, is that no a doubt. compliment? 
I don't know if that's a compliment or not. He is so clearly cut as the thing. I would be very surprised if they took a safety there. <laughs> well, uh, DraftUtopia.com seems to think that the Harrison it, connection possible. is the way it's to possible. go here. Uh, number 62, wide receiver from Memphis, Anthony Miller. Slot guy who could beat out Laquan Treadwell for the Vikings' third wide receiver position. Who would beat out Laquan Treadwell, I would say. Well, right now uh, my dog might, too. Yeah. So Anthony Miller is a prospect that I really like. I mean, a guy that put up huge numbers. He's a good route runner. He had a more complex route tree. I, I have actually watched oh. quite a bit. You just have the complex <laughs> route tree. You. you just oh, have yeah. the complex Ooh, route yeah, tree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, never mind the fact the Vikings just signed a third wide receiver in Kendall Wright. Who's uh, in but only prime. a one-year deal, though. Okay. It's fair enough. Uh, pick 94, according to DraftUtopia.com. The Utopia of Sports. Cornerback from Maryland, J.C. Jackson. Um, I think Moves his hips well? I think cornerback is in the mix, but if you don't draft an offensive lineman in the first three rounds, Rick Spielman's fired. Have you watched <laughs> film on J.C. Jackson yet? Uh, I don't know him, but... You again, told me again. You can't go three rounds, and you don't have a guard. On Saturday's show, you projected possibly though a corner in the first round pick with a first pick, yeah. and then a guard the second pick. I, right? I do think that it is possible that they would draft just the best player that they could get at thirty, because there are ten guards in this draft who can step in and play next year. Uh, how about the one hundred sixty seventh overall pick, according to DraftUtopia.com's April nineteenth, apparently in the future mock draft. From UConn, a defensive tackle named Foley Fatukagi. Got to be careful there. Again. Foley Fatukagi. Excuse me? Fatukagi, Fatukagi, Fatukagi. You can't can't take any mock draft seriously, even if it is the utopian mock draft. What? But the utopia of sports? Who's playing right guard? (laughs) Well, your question is answered with the 204th overall pick. Uh, I don't think it is at that point. Offensive guard from Washington State. And this is an all-time great offensive line name, Cody O'Connell. Cody O'Connell, yeah. yeah. I'm going to tape up my hands and put them on another man's chest. Likes to drink beer, too. That's right. I I like the idea of getting a cornerback in this draft. A wide receiver is definitely on the board, I think, for them when they look at their situation with having Diggs and Thielen, but both contract situations are tenable at this point, and Kendall Wright on a one-year deal, Laquan Treadwell, I'm ready to call it on him. You know when it's you know when it's like time of playing death is what it's it's one of those things where it's like okay seventy percent are reporting now that this candidate is gonna win or lose and uh, that's where I'm at with Laquan Treadwell that it's just not gonna work out uh, and then the last two picks because they forgot to put the seventh round pick on here apparently the Vikings will take with the two hundred thirteenth pick running back from Grambling State Martez Carter. And uh, with the 218th pick, cornerback from Kansas State, DJ Reed. I want to mock. Mock. So. I want to mock. 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 Let me get this straight. This person went through and did a seven-round mock draft with uh, with write-up paragraphs on each pick. Is that correct? Uh, all seven rounds picks. and full paragraphs. But, In fact, here's four paragraph, two paragraphs for the New England Patriots pick at number two fifty four. So wouldn't you, guys you want it before? Yeah, I want it. John, wait, hold wait. on, hang on, just quick. I got to hear this though. All okay. right, go ahead. Here's what. <laughs> right, here's what's written about the Patriots two hundred fifty fourth pick at DraftUtopia.com. <laughs> the Utopia of Sports. God help us. They. T- they take Byron Pringle, a wide receiver from Kansas State. <laughs> Look him up. Make sure he, he exists. Once, Once you, pop, you pop, you can't, you can't stop. stop at the utopia of sports. I want a mock. 
What? He writes New England. Oh. New England. <laughs> Hold on. I'm. I'm going to make sure this guy exists. Byron Pringle, you I'm, say? Byron Pringle from Kansas State. I'm calling BS. He's the heir to the Pringles fortune. <laughs> Doesn't need the money. Just loves football. Uh, New England got this compensation pick at 136 thanks to Jabal Sheard signing with Indianapolis. Byron Pringle thanks, is, Jabal. is the best player on the board at this point. Despite being undersized, he caught everything in the gauntlet drill at the 2018 NFL Combine. No way it's I'm Before running at- a... <laughs> What do you know about football? What do you know, Collar? Gauntlet. He capitalized gauntlet. Collar's a fraud. This guy's for real. Let's get this guy on staff. I want a mock. Mock. I'm gonna continue. I'm gonna continue. Everything in the gauntlet drill. Combine. Before before running a 4.35 and dominating Kansas State's pro day, he got 20 yards of separation on wheel route versus Oklahoma State. Pringle is probably better at executing wheel routes than any wide receiver in the draft. New England already has a bunch of wide receivers, but uh, this a real site. Here's well, it's draftutopia.com. The utopia of sports. You know, I caught that part. But I mean, this is like a real thing. Byron Pringle. I, mean, this is, they, I looked this up. Six foot two, two hundred five pounds from Tampa. He's twenty four years old. He caught thirty passes for seven hundred twenty four yards and six touchdowns last season. He's this better, is spot on, man. This on. guy's good. He's better at executing the wheel route. <laughs> what? I mean, is that generally for running backs? For one, this is professional jealousy. Is what this is. I think it is, yeah. I think you're jealous. I don't think 1500ESPN.com is a utopia. Oh my God. Here's my only question. It's flawed. If you're going to sit down and do paragraphs on each player, wouldn't you make sure you've got every damn team accurately represented in each round? Why so if you got you... the seventh round, wouldn't you make sure, hey, do I have the Vikings? Yeah, I got them. Why Hold would on. you mention the gauntlet drill? Because it's a key. I just discovered something very important about draftutopia.com. The utopia of the sports. It's 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 written by or at least uh, created by a guy named Chris Ransom uh, Collar, and you can follow him on Twitter at Draft Utopia. That's where you will find all his updates on all the mocks. You can also follow him at his own personal Twitter account at CMR Ransom. Would you like to hear the little Twitter oh bio god. he has? Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! The at yes. CMR Ransom, creator of Draft Utopia. You can check out my other Twitter feed at Draft Utopia for sports content. Also, work at Panera Bread. I want a mock. Mock. I want to mock. We can tell. Please listen carefully. Mackie and Judd now continue. Let's go, people. Let's get it going. On 1500 ESPN. Alrighty then. Ah, draftutopia.com. Yes, that's good stuff. The utopia <laughs> of sports and oh, soup and yeah. sandwiches. Yes. That's some Panera. Yeah, I love I love so, Panera. Can mm. I can I throw something out there? On the Purple Podcast, Courtney Cronin from ESPN and I, we did a draft simulation like live more or less. So we broke down our picks and things like that. Like for and all the teams? No, no, no. Just for the Vikings, you get to play. There's a website, fanspeak.com, where you get to play GM. So it simulates based on like team needs 
who the other picks would be, and then, and then you're, it's your turn. Yep, you're on the clock, which I find to be much more efficient than me guessing who the Falcons are going to sure. How many hours per day do you spend, be honest, on that website? Um, I have done quite a few draft simulations, and I'm going to do another one this week. You to, publish to them. write about it. Every yeah, week. I, I publish them because they're yeah. lots of fun. So <laughs> people have been sending me theirs, and then I grade your draft. Wow. It's great. It's wow. great fun. Sounds like so a, go a, do a, it. Maybe a new business, side business for you. <laughs> Charge people 20 bucks to grade I their draft. I will grade your draft for your $8. Draft, yes. Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> Matt Utopia Good way to make an extra com. buck there. <laughs> Um, um, oh, go ahead. Well, just, you know, in the last one that we did, though, um, it's going to be really interesting to see if the Vikings do want to wait till that second round for the guard because there are very good prospects there. And one that I like is a Minnesota native, Frank Ragnow, who is from Arkansas. And when you watch him, he's playing very good competition and he is dominating that competition. And he was pro football focus's highest rated center the last two years. They could move him to guard. He's played there. Or they could even move Pat Elfline to guard if they wanted to. If they really like Ragnow, they could do that. So, um, but that leaves you open to do you draft a tight end for the future? Do you draft a cornerback who could step right in and play in the nickel spot? There's a guy, Dante Jackson from uh, LSU, who is a freak athlete. I mean, unbelievably fast. Uh, ran a 4-3, and played in the slot a lot. There's also another guy, Jair Alexander, who's very physical, a more technically skilled corner who might be able to step in. So I think that that is an option for the Vikings to take a, a little bit of a luxury pick there or just the best player there is and then wait because there are so many good guards on the board. Do you think there's a better chance that they uh, that they pass on drafting a guard with that first pick or if they decide to do that, that they just trade backwards and try and get more picks? Trading down is statistically the right move. I looked at a research paper that had been done a few years ago by one guy who won a Nobel Prize for math eventually. And for whatever, maybe he loves to mock. So he looked into this. And what he found was basically you would rather have a the 45th overall pick and pick up a fourth than you would the 30th pick and no fourth. Mm-hmm. Because you have a better chance of getting a player that will be a starter, a better chance of getting player that will have uh, that will make the Pro Bowl. The difference in your odds between thirty and forty five are not a whole lot. It's very jumbled part of the draft. And he points out that if you have one of those last picks, trade down every time because the the odds are very similar there. And I think the Vikings could look at at that option if they have another choice. And uh, there's the trade chart. There's a chart for everything. And the, the new, is, new one or old one the, from Jimmy Johnson? It is the old Jimmy Johnson okay. chart, but it's still kind of accepted outside of when trading up for quarterbacks, I think. Okay. So if the Vikings were to trade back into the middle of the second round, they should be able to pick up a fourth round pick, which I, I would be for because you can get an extra pick there. You can get the guard that you want. And then maybe there's another cornerback uh, or defensive tackle that ends up on the board there. Yeah. Um, like, Okay, two questions. I have a, a quick question for you. We have like two minutes left in the segment. And then show Audible. Do you want to stick for one more segment sure. to do this Aaron Rodgers story that just came out this yeah. morning? And then we can do our pecking order later. So on-air production meeting. We did this yesterday, though. Uh, Eric Hendricks, he's under contract now. $50 million, 25 guaranteed. Of these four guys, Trey Waynes, Daniil Hunter, Stefan Diggs, Anthony Barr, you can only keep three. You have to say goodbye to one for financial reasons. All of them are going to get decent contracts relative to their position. 
Which one do you say goodbye to to keep the other three? If it guarantees that you get the other three. I would get rid of Waynes. Even though it's a valuable position, I'm not sure that I buy he's as good as he was last year for the long term. That could change. But pass rusher, number one wide receiver, or 1B, 1A, whichever you want to call Stephon Diggs, those guys uh, are very valuable parts of this team. I would not want to see Daniel Hunter leave. The only problem is with those guys you got to pay a lot. Yes. I mean, I mean Diggs is going to make at least $15 million a year on his next contract. When you look at Jarvis Landry's contract, five years with $75 million, yeah. mm-hmm. Diggs is a better wide receiver than yes. Landry. Not in fantasy stats, but as a wide receiver. Yes, yep. wide receivers are getting paid now like bottom-end franchise quarterbacks. Like, that gap has closed. Andy Dalton makes the same amount of money as Antonio Brown. Yep. The yep. gap has closed. And, and Diggs is not going to take a team-friendly deal. Like, if they come to Diggs and say, hey, we're thinking about this, he's going to say, hey, I'm thinking about hitting the open market. And if he hit the open market, if you look at what Sammy Watkins got, $30 million guaranteed for yeah. a guy that's produced nowhere near what Stephon Diggs has, I think Diggs is pushing $80 million over five years or something in that range. Yes. All right, Matthew Collar hanging out with us. These guys do a show on Saturday mornings now from 10 to noon called Saturday Sports Talk. Uh, you can find Collar on the Purple Podcast. Aaron Rodgers, we called it. We 100% called it. Uh, we called BS all these stories about the contract extension discussions. Jeff, uh, not Jeff Passan. It's our guy Charles Robinson. I'm getting my Yahoo writers mixed up. Charles Robinson with a great report. We're going to come back with that. Later on, we have a Twins-slash-Mauer-related pecking order. Jason Stark with some trivia. It's Mackie and Judd.